Support for this podcast is provided by Bright Hire. Bright Hire's leading interview intelligence platform transforms hiring by helping individuals run better interviews and helping teams hire faster with more confidence and less bias. Bright Hire automatically records and transcribes interviews and creates highlights that can be revisited and shared right within the ATS. Teams use Bright Hire to streamline their interview process, train interviewers and recruiters, and give hiring managers better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. Visit brighthire.com to learn how Bright Hire can help you win the best talent. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 448 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Measuring the impact of talent marketing in a way that aligns with the rest of the business and demonstrates value for the C-suite has always been challenging. TA leaders often find themselves judged by measures and outcomes they don't fully control and are impossible to translate into business value. So how do you prove the business impact of recruitment marketing and employer branding, particularly in such volatile times? My guest this week is Nick Thompson global talent marketing leader at IBM. Nick and his team have been working on this issue for a while and have devised a way of measuring the value of talent marketing that resonates with the C-suite and provides a laser focus for optimization and improvement. Hi, Nick, and welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me back. Um, Always a pleasure to be here and always good to actually be the person speaking rather than listening religiously each week as well well thank you and it's a it's a it's always a pleasure to have you on the show and um i think we did the last episode oh quite a little while ago actually it was really interesting and really popular so i'm very keen to get you back and hear more from you basically before we get started for people who may not have heard the last episode or may not have come across sort of you and your your work could you introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do Yeah, of course. So I'm Nick Thompson, and I'm the global talent marketing uh, leader here at IBM. Um, And I manage a number of teams here at IBM, but ultimately responsibility and accountability for attracting, engaging um, talent to join IBM. So yeah, my, my team's kind of split into three different areas. I've got my kind of geo teams who are kind of rec-based solutioning. I've got my center of excellence who are systems, tools, platforms, etc. But then also a domains team who are always on and speaking to the 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 language of developers, sales, consultants, etc. as a uh, an always best friend rather than a in the moment. Just give us a sense of the scale of the operation in terms of how many people you're recruiting, how many countries you're working in, that that kind of thing. Yeah, so we're quite a large company, I think it's safe to say. Um, I mean, last year we did over 80,000 permanent hires um, in well over 120 countries, I think it was. Um, so it's quite large scale recruiting. 
Um, that said, it's technical recruiting as well. So we're after those unicorns and we need a lot of them as well. So it's a good challenge. Everybody has heard of IBM. Not everybody knows who we are or what we do today, but everyone does know us from days gone past, from an uncle, a father, a grandparent who've worked at this lovely 111-year-old tech company we work for. Before we sort of delve into the topics that we're going to talk about, give us a sense of what the market is like for tech recruitment at the moment, because we've been through a lot of phases. We've had 18 months, two years of these sort of tremendous skill shortages. Now we're hearing about layoffs everywhere. You know, what, what's going on? What does the market look like from your perspective? I think the best way to describe it is probably Hunger Games right at the moment. Like it just, it is, it's just crazy out there. It really is. And we're seeing like huge, huge spikes in hiring. And then in the very next breath, it's like huge, huge layoffs from other sides. And I, I honestly, I can't say why, where, or how it, it feels like some companies have maybe come out of the blocks too quickly post-pandemic and maybe were a little bit too keen in getting out there. But also, it just feels a lot of industries are still feeling the the pinch post-pandemic. And obviously, buying, spending, and we're not talking just on a consumer level, but at a corporate and a business level, is is tightening as well for a lot of companies so yeah i hope i hope it's gone pretty soon but i wouldn't gamble on that i think we are about to enter a potentially a new norm of work for the next two years maybe let's see yeah, it's it's really interesting because for the, I don't know, the last almost three years, we've been talking about unprecedented disruption and, and times like we've never seen before. And it just seems that those times keep reinventing themselves. But also, you know, it's just very difficult to, to generalize. It seems that things are different, not only sector by sector or country by country, but, but company by company as well. I think you're right. I think the, the new norm, the disruption... I think we've got another couple of years of it, and then I think there'll be a, another new norm. I think, I think hindsight, we had it quite predictable pre-pandemic, and I just don't think things have quite settled down from before that, and I don't think they will for another few years. And you're right, different the the same sectors, but different companies in the same countries are tackling things in very, very different ways. And I, th- I think this is still a, we don't know how to fix it, how to ride it, how to see it through. But this is our approach and we're we're backing it. We're running with it. With that in mind, I mean, let's zero in on some of the stuff that, that, that you've been doing at IBM. And you've been doing a lot of stuff around, you know, measurement and how you you kind of really explain the success of, uh, you know, talent acquisition to, to, to the rest of your business. Talk us through that, maybe starting with some of the metrics that you've used in the past and, and what, their, what their shortcomings were in terms of measuring, recruiting and hiring. Definitely, definitely. And 
this is like the holy grail of what we do, right? How do we measure talent marketing, talent attraction, employer branding, whatever it might be? And I would love to say I've solved it. And spoiler alert, keep listening to the end and we'll tell you. But I, I, I don't think this is the full and final, but it's definitely a step further there. We've, we've done the, the time to hire metrics. We've done the NPS score surveyed from a candidate and a hiring manager. And we've, we've done like even to the point of trying to measure their quality of hire. But each and every time we seem to get to this point where it's like, but a number is better than nothing. Like, as long as there's a digit next to it, it's okay. And you struggle to have conversations. Everyone, everyone talks about TA having a seat at the table and TA being able to hold a conversation. I've never been in a boardroom conversation where you've got one team talking about revenue, you've got another team talking about revenue, and then you've got this other team talking about, but we've got this NPS. It's just, it's a different language. It's not the same conversation. And that's where we've really tried to kind of turn to how do we get people to understand the part we play in this conversation and time to apply or time to hire time to hire is influenced by hiring managers. There's so many different factors in there and yes, it's a great metric and one I still think is important and it's a nice follow on from what I've just spoiled on, on a time to apply um, but it's you're putting your success in someone else's hand, a big, big part of it in someone else's hands, and they don't have the same drivers as you. They don't have the same goals as you. So it can be a difficult one. Then you've got the quality of hire. Quality of hire is, like a again, a, a mega metric that's so difficult to tie down. There's so many influencing factors and especially in a remote hybrids, however world we live, however your companies work, has that seen an impact in the effectiveness and the quality of onboarding? I think it has for a lot of people. And again, should we be measured and monitored by global impact that's happening almost? So we've kind of really bottomed in on this time to apply metric um, and time to apply is from point of rec becoming live to the point the person who there who goes on to be successful applies so it's not just a if we throw enough stuff on day one we've won it is a quality piece of how do we make sure they're coming through at the right point and at the right times and the beauty is is it's ours. It's mine. Like, yes, the advert may be rubbish. That's in our power to edit and to advise and to, to, to say to the hiring managers in the business, this is what we're changing it to, why, and we're going to go out there. So it really allows us to, I suppose, almost like put it into like a little incubator where it's like it's ours and we're the only ones that can play with it and the only ones that have a say and control over this so it it just reduces the people that can come and play and play nicely and play badly at the same time 
It's really interesting. Just to reiterate, it's the time from when the rec goes live to when the person who eventually gets the job applies for that job, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. How did you sort of come up with that? What was the what process led to it? And I suppose as a second part to the question, what insights did it provide you when you we realised that that was a, a metric that you wanted to look at? Yeah, so we we started taking apart this time to hire metric, and we were looking at it and we're like, right, as everyone knows, the interview could be done quicker. We're like, what if we do this? What if we do this? And then it's like. We've got 100,000 hiring managers across the world. That is trying to boil the ocean, trying to get 100,000 people to do things quicker when it may be and mostly isn't their number one priority. That's difficult. Like That's not just us doing it, but that's convincing other people to stop doing whatever is their number one priority to get this through five days, 10 days, 20 days quicker. It's it's really difficult. It's really hard to do. Then we were looking at like getting the offer out and we're like, right, we could trim a day, save a day, maybe two, three tops. Other area was candidates considering the offer, accepting the offer. And then we looked at this kind of uh, sort of apply to screening metric. And again, there's a couple of days saving that can be done around that. But the the big chunk of it was the 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 fingers crossed time we called it with a lot of our recruiters of it's it, it's gone live it's out there but then we're just hoping people are going to find it and going to apply to it and going to do their research before they come through and that's all in our wheelhouse that's everything they do the review sites that they're looking at the research that they're doing that's on us to put that within our job ads, on our job pages, in our, uh, our our recruiter outreach or CRM newsletters, whatever it may be. That's sits firmly firmly with us to to influence. Going back to that whole concept of speaking the language of the the C-suite and being able to go into those kind of board level meetings with with meaningful and, and comparable data to other other areas of the business. How do you map that metric onto the business value or um you know revenue or whatever that whatever that might be? Yeah. And that's there, there's a number of different ways we've taken this and we've we got into this kind of imperfect formula that we just kind of stopped purposely simple on this um and the route that we take is revenue generated last year for your company so x amount was generated divide it by the number of employees that you've got and then divide it by 365 and what that tells you is a rough indicator of revenue generated per employee per day. Now, we had great debates and great discussions around HR don't generate revenue. Should we be included in that? Should we just divide it by salespeople? And it it was really a can of worms we hadn't thought of. And we got to a point where we're like, okay, without HR people, we don't have any new people coming into the business. Without finance people, we we don't have 
as many sales, etc. So we've kept it really, really simple and gone just revenue generated last year by employees last year divided by 365 gives you a revenue per employee per day. Now, we've seen average time to applies from anything from 20 to 30 days, 20 to 40 days in some skills and some locations. And if we can save five days, 10 days, for example, the revenue generation opportunity by the hires increases quite significantly. And I, I, I just pulled one off publicly available data, but if we take Kingfisher Group, so own a whole load of retail operations and, and retail companies in the UK, revenue was 12.34 billion last year with 80,000 employees. That works out that we are 422 uh, pounds of revenue per employee per day. If they did 5K hires a year, which feels quite low still, you could be, and, and you've done a five-day reduction on your time to apply, you're looking at around 10 million in revenue generation opportunities for them. So the numbers multiply really quick. How has that gone down and been understood within the business? Very positively, scarily positively, actually, because we have changed from, we've got an NPS score of this to, okay, so we can get these people in, the revenue generation opportunity is this, this, this. The other bit that's been received really well is is just around the, the win-win approach of this. So not only do we gain that increase in revenue generation opportunities because they're in five days earlier, but actually our competitors are five days extra without them. Like we've we've got them through quicker. So actually you could probably mirror the numbers the same the other way as well of taking 5,000 people five days sooner from the Kingfisher Group could cost them 10 million a year in lost revenue generation opportunity. So it really is a, uh, it's one that we've seen actually have a positive impact on the complete time to hire, Um, not just because we've done this, but actually now there's more of a push of, right, so if we can save five days there, what if we could also say five days later on, we're doubling those numbers. And I think people have realized there's a there's a, a number and a dollar count behind these bits as well. And it's not just TA nagging people to get our process done quicker. It's obviously given you a laser focus on the metric you want to drive, what you want to improve. And you also said it's something that you feel is fully within the control of TA and employer branding and recruitment marketing. Tell us a bit more about the levers that you've got. How do you reduce those days? What's been successful? What are the elements that that feed into it? Definitely. And there's, there's so many different levers to pull here. And there's some really basic hygiene and housekeeping ones, but then there's some really skills and audience specific ones as well that we've seen success and also not so much success from 
But ultimately, we kind of split it into there's two things typically people have to buy to to apply for a job. And one is doing that job. And the other one is doing that job at your company and at the company you represent. So we, we've been pushing a lot talent pipelines, talent communities, talent pools, however, whatever it is you want to describe it. But effectively, groups of people who want to work at your company, but maybe haven't found or been presented with the right job at the right time for them. So the goal here is to try and split it into two things. We do the proactive pipelining where we sell you the company, Matt, and you're like, right, yep, I want to work at IBM. And then what we do is the the converting conversations, whether that's a recruiter outreach, a job alert, newsletters, um, job matching, just a number of different things that are about in the moment conversions and how do we get you through. Big parts of those are focusing on what comes in every week. Um, So typically TA or a lot of teams in TA, there seems to be this like 30-day magic window where a job's not a problem until it gets to 30 days and then it becomes a problem. Well, you're already dead in the water before you started, if that's the case. So why not send out a few job alerts, get recruiters outreach early, get some key messages sent. And we do some really, really basic bits and pieces. And these have seen a huge, huge impact in in how we drive through. Job alerts on our first pilot, um, we drove over 8,000 applications, um, which had a time to apply. They haven't yet been hired, but would have been under seven days. So we're we're hedging our bets doing the good things and the right things, but also your adverts are a huge, huge part of what we do. And give your candidates what they want to know, not just the JD, but they're looking at your Glassdoor profile, put your widget on there, put your score, put some reviews, put some content. What you're trying to do is create something that when people who are active and looking for jobs, when they find yours, they have the info that they need to click apply there and then. And it isn't a, now let me go to Payscale, Glassdoor, which other 20,000 websites are available for them to find things. Present it there for them. And we've seen a huge reduction in our Glassdoor views on our profiles by presenting this data up front for candidates. So we're taking it either Glassdoor's algorithm has changed significantly for the worse, which I don't imagine, or candidates were looking at that real high level of what's your score. They're not necessarily looking for a reason to join you at that point. What they're probably and what they're most likely to be looking for is a reason not to click apply so don't give them that reason not to apply. It's a very e-commerce way of thinking. If someone is shopping on your e-commerce site, the last thing you want them to do is leave, do some research and buy somewhere else, isn't it? Yep. The, the internet is the easiest tool to procrastinate and get lost. And 
find cats playing piano videos or whatever it is that distracts you. But the whole point and our whole stance is we own the IBM job section. We own the IBM careers website. It's my teams that that build what you see, what you see, how you see it and where you go. Whereas you go to an Indeed, a LinkedIn, a Glassdoor, a Payscale or anyone else, what you're shown is who pays the most and who wants to put it in front of you. And you're you're tempted with distractions at literally every single click. So try and remove those distractions for your site. Competition just gets a whole lot easier then. Employer branding must play a, a huge role in this as well. Yeah, of course, of course. And the the employer branding is a, a hygiene factor that runs all the way through. It's almost like for for us, we see it as the, the employer branding or our, our people story, as we call it at IBM. It's the promise that you make. And again, what we've seen and what we've heard from our candidates is they're not necessarily looking for it but they notice when it isn't there. So it's that promise and it's that showing, not just saying, that makes an impact. But it is also a big entry route into that consideration, that very early early time of getting to know who we are, what we do, how we do it. And that's that's often the first impression that people have. And whether that's our content that we've pushed out through social or whether that's an IBMer's content that they've pushed out through social it's representing our brand as an employer so it is important that it flows all the way through and it's consistent and it's got to be simple like try and land two messages three messages rather than landing 300 because no one's going to have a clue they're everyone gets confused on these bits so Keep it as simple as you can, and there's a far greater chance people will understand the messages and the points you're trying to put across. And it's interesting because I've been running your, you know, the the model through in my mind and thinking about all the the, the different things that influence it. And I and I and I was just thinking about um, candidate experience, and and obviously this is all about you know, hiring, you know, hiring that kind of successful person and, and candidate experience is, 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 is a big part of this as well, isn't it? Yep. Yep. And it's, again, if you think that whole presenting everything that you need to make that decision to, to empower you to say yes or no, it's about putting it up front. And I use Glassdoor as a great example. Like I spoke with someone last week who said, but our Glassdoor score is only 3.5. I was like, okay, so why wouldn't you put it up front? And we wouldn't want people to see it. So do you really not think they're going to go and find it? They just may find it a little bit later. And then there's this, did they hide it from us? Was it accidentally left? Is this a dirty secret? Just own it. Like, we're not perfect. We're 3.5. We're here. But we're doing something about it. And we're on a journey. And I think so often people, it's like they, they just don't want to own some of these bits and pieces. Like if we hide it, it's a better experience. But just, just be honest. Give people what they need to be able to make a decision when they first see this. 
Because as soon as you make them have to go around, hunt around, look for everything, they've just put a lot more effort into this. And you're giving them excuses to just drop out at every single point. And to 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 summarise all of this, what would your advice be to the the TA leaders who who are listening, who are thinking that this is something that would work in their their organisation? How do they how do they go about um, you know make, making that happen? Um, so I've spoken to so many people who have no idea what their time to apply metric is. It's not recorded. So many people have said. Uh, we get 90% of applications in the first week. Great. Do you hire any of those 90%? And you get a blank look of maybe, sometimes, possibly. Um, it really is start recording this. Don't try and solve everything at the same time. Pick off your, your big audience, your big key groups of how can you impact this? What difference does it make? Perhaps in your company, People really don't take that everyone generates revenue equally. It's the sales folk that drive this the most, the biggest. What you're playing here is a is a, a business formula, right? If I invest this, what is my return on investment and how do I get that? And that's one of the big things that that you need to look at. How effectively and how big is your prize that you'll get by focusing in on a group. So start recording and start monitoring and start trying things, seeing how it goes, but make sure there's a pot of gold at the end of this for you as well. So for, final question, as you well know, I always like to finish off by asking people about the future, but we, we really talked about how disrupted everything is and how difficult it is to predict what's going to happen next um, right at the start of the conversation. So I can ask you a slightly Different, slightly different question, but still about the future. What's the most interesting trend that you're seeing in recruitment marketing or employer branding that we should be keeping an eye on for the future? What's on your radar for the next couple of years? So I think I think it's still the basics, Matt. Like I'd love to say to you, it's the metaverse or something else that's really grand and Web 3.0 and all of these cool things. I think if you take all of those, the the whole concept and the whole principle is a devolution of power. Like Web3 is Microsoft no longer runs the world or IBM, ironically, no longer runs the world. We'll power the world, don't worry. We won't run it. We'll power the world. Um, but it's all about taking that power away from a few and giving it to many. Now, We've been talking about this for I don't know how many years in what we do, user-generated content. I think that shift towards decentralized networks, decentralized from one company or 100 companies run media across the world, I think we have started the adoption, but it's in our gift to really push for that employee generated content that it's not going to win an oscar for a video it may win an oscar for content but it's maybe not produced to oscar standards but really cutting out the rubbish and getting straight to the point and saying the good the bad and if there is any ugly and having that employer brand message 
managed by your employees and promoted by your employees and we become far more so curators and I suppose almost journalists for it where it's like we don't have to create the stories we're the ones who pull together the the short list of the best stories that have been produced and share them out I think that's very much how we're going to see things go over the next few years and possibly beyond. Nick, thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks for having me. Pleasure as always, Matt. My thanks to Nick. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.